Billie Eilish is everything at once. She's an alternative gateway for some, and for others, she's what keeps them plugged into mainstream culture. With one EP and a SoundCloud account under her belt, the then 17-year-old's first full-length album, When We All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go?, struck the first generation of post-millennials in a way that art had yet to do. As gender and sexuality continue to become more fluid and labelless, Eilish's music marches to the same beat. She created genreless music for a generation that doesn't want to be attached to one specific movement. Billie Eilish is one of the most streamed artists in the world, yet she's maintained a creative fortitude and an artistic integrity that makes When We All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go? an art school album. And we are back on another episode of Art School Albums. And this podcast, it represents a lot of different things that I'm trying to do just in life. I like showing people new music. I like introducing people to new bands with the hope that they will one day fall in love with them the same way that I have. And through certain episodes, whether it be the Neutral Milk Hotel episode, the Modern Baseball episode, the Front Bottoms episode, I feel like I've sort of been able to do that. But today's artist is an artist that, unless you have completely ignored not only popular music, but pop culture as a whole over the past two years now, I think it's an artist that everybody knows, and yet for some reason I'm very okay and comfortable with discussing them on this podcast because I think there is a uniqueness to them that makes them worthy of being an art school artist, and I think this album is worthy of being an art school album. And my guest today is Tara Nava, and we are here to talk about Billie Eilish's When We All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go? Tara, how are you? I'm doing great. Happy to be here. Happy to be discussing this album, Love Billie. You love Billie Eilish? Love Billie Eilish. Good. On a scale of one to ten, where do you stand on music in general? Um, About a five. <laughs> Very average. Uh, as we sit in your room, I can't help but notice the glossy photo you have of Arctic Monkeys. Um, what's that album? Do you know how I feel or something? <laughs> you have a just a picture of the record? Yeah, one of my friends is a photography major, and she did it, and she said, this sucks, do you want it? And I said, yeah. You so, a big Arctic Monkeys fan? Nope. Do you have the Arctic Monkeys tattoo? Because you have a lot of tattoos. I do have a lot of tattoos. Don't have that one you yet. You have a Hozier tattoo, I have though. two. You have two Hozier yeah. tattoos. You have one that just says Hozier in his handwriting, but like not his handwriting, but just like the album artwork handwriting. Not calling you out. Just an observation I've made as we've played Uno in your dorm room that you have at least one Hozier tattoo. Yeah, they're both the album titles in the font of the album. So pretty cool, I think. You know? Well, Tara, I think you're pretty cool. You're someone who I've wanted to have on this podcast because you say you're a five on the music scale, but one, you have two Hozier tattoos, and two, you are someone that is constantly lighting up my Instagram story with songs and, and whatever you're listening to in that moment. And for the most part, I really enjoy what you post. You've posted Alkaline Trio from Here to Infirmary. You've posted Chicago's Hottest Band, Beach Bunny. And I started saying more things. I was like, I have to get Tara on the podcast. So I asked you what album you'd like to discuss. And you sent me a list of albums, two of which were uh, Hozier Records, which I was not going to do. That's not happening anytime soon. And then you also sent me A Fever You Can't Sweat Out by Panic at the Disco, which is worthy of being an art school album. I think it'll be discussed at some point. Not tonight, but it'll be discussed at some point. Uh, you sent me Infinity on High by Fallout Boy, 
Which is the least interesting Fallout Boy record. I was so disappointed when you told me that, but you have 60 seconds now if you'd like to defend Infinity on High. It was the first one that I listened to, um, so it has a special place in my heart. That's when I really discovered Pete Wentz, so I think mm. that's why it was so in my heart that I needed to do it. Have you ever watched the show One Tree Hill? I have not. Yeah, so there's a story arc in, I believe, season four, where Peyton Sawyer, who is a high schooler, just starts dating Pete Wentz as Pete Wentz. Like, he just plays himself. That's my dream. In this very fictional universe. And obviously, One Tree Hill is one of those, like, oh, we're going to get 25 and 26-year-olds to play 16 and 17-year-olds. Like, it already looks off. But Peyton's age is very vague in when they're dating. But it's just, like, Pete Wentz appears in this universe, and then he shows up for a few episodes, and then they make a reference to it once he's going through, like, oh, yeah, remember when you hooked up with Pete Wentz? And it's the most confusing story arc in a show of very confusing story arcs. You need to get that publicity, man. Like, anyway, and Pete Wentz, he knew how to do it, you know? So, I take it Fall Out Boy was a big band for you growing up. It was, yeah. Like, middle school me was dying for them. Infinity on High was your entry point there. What were the other bands that you kind of remember at one point claiming, oh, this is my band now. Like, these are the people I'm super into from middle school kind of through high school. Um, I know you said middle school and high school, but the first band that I 100% remember having, like, an addiction to was Green Day. And it was when I was in kindergarten. And my brother liked them a lot. So I, like, had albums. I had t-shirts. Like, that was my, like, jam. You sound super cool. (laughs) As someone that loves Green Day. I'm assuming American Idiot was what was playing because that probably came out when you were in kindergarten yeah that was it that so was the green album. day and where do you stand on green day now um haven't listened to them in a while but i feel like i can always like pull a throwback always you can always pull a throwback and hit a green day track <laughs> you really can <laughs> they just put out an album a few weeks ago no bueno didn't even know <laughs> not, so that's how good. i feel <laughs> so green day is your first band uh what in the line of bands you loved? Or do they sound like Green Day? A little bit of a pop punk flair, Green Day, Fall Out Boy. What else is in that list for you? Yeah, it was definitely pop punk um, all throughout high school and middle school. Like, System of a Down, I know that's more metal, but like that was a thing that we listened to. Um, Panic at the Disco. Anything that Hot Topic sold, I was into. <laughs> Very much a mall punk from the early stages of your life. And that is... Yeah somewhat continued into now <laughs> i feel like you're mall punk adjacent where i'm like if i bumped into tara at a hot topic i mean i'd be there <laughs> it would make sense that she would be there she yeah. does have her septum pierced so I do have my, yeah now you grew up near gary indiana i sure did yep <laughs> right did, next to it did that influence your music taste at all um you know i have a very early memory of being in my mom's Firebird with all the windows tinted, going through Gary with System of a Down playing. And that's how I feel about that. <laughs> that is a stunning visual, a new story for me, and one that I'm going to remember from here on out. Very that glad. That is beautiful. So high school, you're listening to a lot of pop punk. You're listening to some metal because we're in the Midwest and metal will eventually creep into your life at some point. What are you listening to in college? Who are artists you're very into right now? Well, as you mentioned, I do have two hosier tattoos, so that is my main man. But like Brockhampton, Harry Styles, Doja Cat. I really like musicals. I know you don't like that, but I I do. I don't like musicals. I don't like Doja Cat either. And (laughs) 
as someone that is in your dorm two or three nights a week, often playing Uno, Uno Attack, and what's the other one? That you hate, Rummy Cube. Oh, well, that game. That game's like homework. <laughs> that game sucks. But I hear a lot of Doja Cat, and it's been brought to my attention that hey, Case, you should do an episode on Doja Cat. But I don't, I don't see that happening because I hate it so much. But Billie Eilish, a very popular artist, one I'm okay with discussing. When was the first time you heard about Billie Eilish? It was. Oh my gosh. Let me think. Bury a friend. It was on the radio, and I remember being like, this kind of sucks. And then I remember hearing her, like, literally last year was the first time I heard this album. Like, end of it. It and came I was out like, last year, so that makes sense. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> but, like, the very, like, December, and I was like, oh, this is, like, good. So here we are. Billie Eilish is someone who I've been aware of since her EP, Don't Look at Me, came out because there is a poll on... South Wabash Street in Chicago that is constantly littered with posters and advertisements of people that are not talented, that a lot of artist collective housing is advertised on this poll, which stresses me out. I don't want any part of that. But I remember when that EP came out that Billie Eilish advertising was just plastering the South Loop of Chicago to a point that it turned me off because a lot of what... I am into, um, I don't want to say ethically, although I do care about ethics to some extent in music and the way that artists are promoted and the way they come up in the music industry, but there was so much hype around this artist who I did not know who she was that she was immediately looked at as a negative for me, and I was not interested in necessarily what she had to offer, and then I was in a friend's car one night, and it was right when this record came out, and I think Bury a Friend was the first song I heard too, and... I was just so stunned at the production of it. I wasn't necessarily sure if it was something I liked or not, but it was something that caught my attention because although there are elements of it that are, I would say, associated with very bland, very basic pop music now, it is done to the utmost extremes. And there is a level of commitment to Billie Eilish, Eilish's music that I think we hear on this record, and it's something that I very much appreciate. And it appears that the world appreciates it too because Tara do you know that Billie Eilish is the third most streamed artist on Spotify in the world I honestly didn't know that but it's not surprising seeing like how much she's won lately like in award shows so she just swept the Grammys she mm-hmm. dominated there do you have any guesses as to who the two artists are that are streamed more than Billie Eilish right now I want to say probably like Ariana Grande she's up there she's Sorry. not that she's not it though Beyonce. No. It's oh. two male artists. I know, the patriarchy, but it's two male artists. Is it Sam Smith? Because I feel like he was up there at one <laughs> point. We, we've all had a moment where we've had to sit down and listen to Sam Smith, which could contribute for, I don't know, his uh, popularity. That doesn't make any sense to me, but it is not Sam Smith. It is number two, Ed Sheeran. No. <laughs> number one, any final guesses on the most streamed artist in the world right now? Um... It should be hosier, but that's just a personal opinion. And he's out to church. It is Justin Bieber. I don't like that. No, not at all. It's a real shame. But Billie Eilish is third. Just to give listeners some context as uh, it relates to her popularity compared to other bands we've talked about on the show, uh, she averages 59 million monthly listeners on the Spotify platform. 
Uh, for reference, modern baseball, who we've talked about, averages just about 460,000. <laughs> Idols, 500,000. And the front bottoms, 855,000. We talked about Vampire Weekend and Weezer on this podcast in the past. Both of those bands are up over a million, but less than 10 million. So when we're talking about Billie Eilish, we're now talking about an A-list celebrity, someone who is influencing pop culture on a regular basis, and someone who is dominating every facet of the entertainment industry because now she has the James Bond theme song. Um, she's constantly reinventing her look, whether it be the hair, the baggy clothes. Is there something about the aesthetic of Billie Eilish that really connects with you? Um, I don't know if this is aesthetic-wise, but I know she does a lot of producing with her brother, and I'm also very close with my brother, and he's very musical, so I feel like that's something that I was like, oh, that's super cool. Like That's like a brother-sister duo. Like I like my brother. So I find their partnership to be very impressive because like we just talked about the band Oasis on the podcast last week. Oasis is made up of Liam and Noel Gallagher brothers who at this point hate each other, can't be in the same room as one another. They just can't stand each other. And if you watch any interview with Billie Eilish, typically Phineas, her brother is right there. They produced this album in a bedroom, probably no bigger than this. It just so happens that it sounds like it was done in the most elaborate studio possible because the sounds are are through the roof and there's so much production to this record which again is something that would typically turn me off but this record is so unique in the way it sounds and Billie Eilish is such a unique artist that although she is completely propped up by the recording industry I mean she is I don't want to say an industry plant but she is someone that has backing that you're going to see in commercials that Spotify whenever she puts out something is going to roll out advertising around her it's not something I typically like but for the time being I think Billie Eilish has some staying power. I think she's going to be someone that has a lot to say for a long time. And I really appreciate that about her. But do you feel like everyone at this art school you attend is listening to Billie Eilish or is at least aware of what she's doing? Oh, like, absolutely. I feel like even just walking through, like, one of the buildings, I, at least on one floor, I can be like, oh, yeah, they're listening to Billie. Like, can it's, hear it. It's taken over. Mm -hmm. It's the one artist I know that... I mean, we'll hear my opinions on the album in just a second, but at the very least, people are aware of Bad Guy. They've heard Barry a friend. They're aware of what she's doing, even if they're not necessarily a fan of it, and she's transcending genres in terms of her fan base, which was the other thing I want to talk about before we get into the record, is this idea of being a genreless artist, which Billie Eilish talks a lot about. Do you have any stance on this idea of artist refusing to be labeled as one genre as a fan does that mean anything to you um I feel like she can refuse it all she wants but people are still gonna label her as like whatever they want so and where point, do you label her on that genre spectrum um I feel like she really is kind of in that pop punk area I know it doesn't really sound like it a lot of the time but like her voice is just very like poppy but like grunge I guess she has certainly that appeal because the first radio stations that broke Billie Eilish were alternative radio stations. They they were the first ones to pick up on that sound. And I think this is not necessarily an issue, but it's something that is conversation worthy if you if you still care about what music is being played on the radio is this more electronic sound that has drifted into alternative radio over the past decade. For me, I think it starts with Foster the People and their first record, Torches, which are you familiar with Foster the People? I am. Yeah, you've got those pumped up kicks. I sure do. Um, Foster the People came out in 2011 with this record, Torches, and they were very into this 
you know, do not label us. We are not one genre. We are many things. And the music industry panicked and said, oh, no, we don't know what to do. I guess it's alternative. And that became, Pumped Up Kicks became such a giant hit on alternative radio that alternative radio shifted into that sound. And part of that was necessary because we were still coming uh, out of the mid-2000s where alternative radio really started to struggle because it was so aggro. And you had your system of a downs and your salivas and your nickelbacks just killing the airwaves with stuff that wasn't really female-friendly to some extent, and it was just tired and old, and, you know, you could only yell about the same thing for so long, and so we saw this influx of Matt and Kim and Foster the People and these electronic artists, and Billie Eilish seems to be the apex of that, where she has now taken the sound, she's expanded it, she's blown the borders off of what we thought were possible, and she's become an A-list megastar, and she did it with When We All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go, which came out on March 29, 2019. It debuted at number one on the Billboard 200. She is the first artist born after 2000 to have a number one album. She's the youngest female ever to have a number one album. Eilish was nominated for six Grammy Awards, including Record of the Year and Song of the Year for Bad Guy, as well as Album of the Year and Best New Artist at the 62nd Grammy Awards. She became the youngest artist and the first woman to win the four main Grammy categories. Let's get into the album. Yeah. Let's do it. At this point, her Invisalign is out. The record is ready to be recorded. And this is Billie Eilish. This is Bad Guy off of When We All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go? White shirt, now red, my bloody nose sleeping. You're on your tippy toes creeping around like no one knows. Think you're so criminal. Bruises on both my knees for you Don't say thank you, oh please I do what I want when I'm wanting to My soul, so cynical So you're a tough guy, like you really rough guy Just can't get enough guy, just always so puff guy I'm that bad guy making Bad guy kicks off the record And it has currently over 1 billion streams this is a song that took over 2019. It ended the dominance that was Old Town Road as the number one song in the country. Bad Guy is what Billy it was what made Billie Eilish. Real quick, your thoughts on Old Town Road? Um, Little Nas X for president, you know. Good dude, hate that song. That song Awful. was bad for music. It's bad. That's bad. We cannot continue to fall into the doldrums of irony as a society. And accepting Old Town Road as art means we're doomed, okay? It's not good. Bad Guy, on the other hand, just a song the first time I heard it, I was just like, this is this is something I haven't heard. And every fiber of my being wanted to dislike it because it's very electronic. Her voice is very filtered. These are things I typically do not subscribe to. There's... I don't necessarily want to say a, uh, an EDM influence, but there's clearly some dance hall, dance club influence on the track. But every time I hear it, I am blown away by how catchy the song is. Tara, well, where do you stand on Bad Guy? Um, it sounds like loading screen video game music to me, like the middle <laughs> part. And that's the only thing I can think of. I'm like, I'm playing Tetris. But like, I remember hearing it and I was like, I wanted to dislike it because I was like, she's so young. Like, I know her voice is probably better than this. Why is it so filtered? But now I'm like, I can get into it. Like, it's fine. It's undeniably catchy. Mm -hmm. It's one of the few songs on the record that we'll talk about where 
I really think you have to be trying hard not to like this. Now, I understand if it's not your thing, but there are a few songs on this record, and this is one of them, which, uh, you know, all the songs I'll uh, put in that category were all singles. This was one of the six singles off of this album. I, there's something great about this, and for as much as I enjoy punk music and folk music and southern hip-hop, whatever's not being played on the radio, when I hear a good pop song from time to time... I really let it sink in and I really appreciate it because I don't like the music I like because it alienates me from the rest of the world. It just so happens that is the music I like. And Billie Eilish is someone who has taken these depressive thoughts and almost these suicidal tendencies and has put them and packaged them into almost a commercial friendly sound that is very different. Do you look at Billie Eilish, not obviously in terms of fame and status, but in her general demeanor, do you find a lot of your peers and contemporaries to be almost on that same, in that same mindset? Yeah, definitely. I can even say myself, like I've been there. I'm still there. So like, I feel like we all kind of relate to her on that level to where she doesn't really want to be in the public eye. And I can just think of when she was at the Grammys and she was like, please don't let it be me. Please don't let it be me. And that's just something I always remember. And I feel like even bad guys, like, she doesn't want to be that person, so. It's something that I think, unfortunately, she will have to continue to wrestle with her entire mm-hmm. life unless something goes horribly wrong and she falls out of the spotlight completely. But she is now someone that, whether she necessarily wants to accept it or not, when I think of young people in music and I think of, of people that young people connect to, Billie Eilish is at the top of the list. Now, like you said, you can go anywhere on this campus and you can find a floor where someone is listening to Billie Eilish. And it's something that at least, you know, I think she's tapped into something with this depressive state. And she continues that vibe as we go into the second track on the record. This is Zanny. What is it about them? I must be missing something. They just keep doing nothing Too intoxicated to be scared Better off without them They're nothing but unstable Bring ashtrays to the table And that's about the only thing they share I'm in a second On Zanny, Billie Eilish introspectively questions the topic of irresponsible recreational drug use. Uh, Billie Eilish also states that the song's message is not to do, is not less don't do drugs and more be safe with the drugs you use. It is a message that I find to be very interesting. Now, for me, and the way music and drugs relate to one another, when I was 13, I heard Minor Threat for the first time, the legendary DC hardcore band. Uh, and their whole thing was that they were straight edge. They don't drink, they don't do drugs. And even at 13, I said, oh, my God, this seems like kind of what I want to do with my life. This seems like a better use of time. Not that I come from a family of addicts or of people that are dependent on any sort of drugs or alcohol. It's just one of those things. I, I am surrounded by, obviously, recreational drinking, recreational drug use to an extent. And I'm... I'm just always a little surprised that it's still a thing. 
I'm just a little amazed that this is still the path we're going down. And to some extent, I mean, people can do what they want. And in 99% of the time, I really don't care what people are doing because my abstinence from drugs and alcohol is my own decision. And I don't really let other people, one, bother me, but I also try not to bother other people with what I choose to do with my time. But every once in a while, I am just shocked at the cultural acceptance for young people in their drug use. And if the message of this song is to uh, maybe say, don't not do drugs, but just be smart about them, I think that is a very powerful message. Do you agree with that? Yeah, not to get deep here, but as someone who has, like, you know, taken Zannies, but not, like, for fun, but, like, medical, like, you know, I'm sure, depressed. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, okay, flex. Just a little bit, you know. You um, are the plug. <laughs> just in case, you know. But I don't know. It's something, like, that. I just don't get why people would want that, like, for fun. I'm like, that's not fun. Being this way is not super fun. So, yeah, I feel like this song is just really sad. Like, it just makes me upset. It is a bold move to put this this early on the album, mm-hmm. because this is a song of pain, this is a song of torture, and you can hear it in her voice right before things get distorted, but in the in the verses of this song, uh, I think it shows off the range that Billie Eilish is capable of, perhaps better than any other song. I mean, if we're talking about her voice and her talents as a musician, it really comes through in the verses, and then... If you want to prop up Phineas's production style and the way they really go all in on this gothic sort of terrifying voice distortion, they nail that in the chorus. I think this is a terrific song with a very good message, quite honestly. Bite my tongue, bite my time, wearing a warning sign, wait till the world is mine. Visions I vandalize, cold in my kingdom size, fell for these ocean eyes. You should see me in a crowd. I'm gonna run this nothing tell. Watch me make them bow one by one by one one by. You should see me in a crowd was the first single off of When We All Fall Asleep. Where do we go? It is also perhaps my least favorite song on the album. Tara, you're looking at me with a bit of disgust, (laughs) with a bit of anger, with a little bit of confusion. I take it you disagree. Yeah, a little bit. I feel like this is a certified bop. I feel like when I'm walking to class and, like, I need to look angry so nobody, like, talks to me, um, this is what I would put on so I could just go. How how often are people approaching you? Too often. Really? (laughs) Let me be honest. Like, when I'm walking home at night, too often. Oh, yeah, that's fair. You know that man on the corner that waves to everyone? You know what I'm talking about. By the CVS? Yes, by the CVS. He's a good dude. He scares me. He's... For all of the people in Chicago, I think he is the most harmless. We'll <laughs> see, see. Good dude. You should see me in the crown. I just find the whole thing to be a little corny. Um, I think she loses her individuality with this song. This is a song that could be sung by a number of pop artists. Now, whether I could name those artists or not, it is out. is jury still out on that? Because my knowledge of contemporary pop music only goes so far. But I just heard this. I was like, I... Other people could do this, whereas I think Zanny, Bad Guy, the song we'll hear next especially, it's like, oh, this is Billie Eilish being her. And this, I I get the appeal of it, and I'm, honestly, part of it probably is is just uh, the 
the gender dynamic of this of like it's nice i'm sure do you, is it nice to hear such a powerful woman tara <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> um kind of a little bit no and it's a good thing and i fully support it thank you but it's not a song i necessarily relate to i don't want to be in a crown anytime soon i'm not royalty well it's unfortunate for you case no but... it's a real bummer <laughs> But you're, it's a certified bop, as you said. It is. There's no more Gen Z sentence than describing a Billie Eilish song as a certified bop. You have now played into a stereotype. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. It's my honor, actually. It's, you know, I'm glad you accepted it with such grace. Um, let's move on to the next track, because unlike You Should See Me in a Crown, I think this is just a masterpiece of sorts, and this is All the Good Girls Go to Hell off of When We All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go? My Lucifer is lonely Standing there, killing time Can't commit to anything but a crime Leaders on vacation An open invitation Animals, evidence Pearly gates look more like a picky fence Once you get inside I've got friends but can't invite them Hills burn in California My turn to ignore ya Don't say I didn't warn ya All the good girls go to hell Cause even got herself Phineas claims that all the good girls go to hell is a song about climate change. <laughs> no, it is not, but okay. <laughs> I, I swear to God that is what he said. I struggle to see the climate change tie-in in this song. We should all be concerned about climate change, yeah, yes? Yeah, absolutely. It's going to get us eventually. Mm-hmm. Now, I happen to think, you know, we've got some time, but it's going <laughs> oh to get God. us eventually. Just, we're good, but like... we're Oh, we're good. Which, quite honestly, it's like, okay, we're good. All right, well, I'll recycle, I guess. Um, but All the Good Girls Go to Hell was a song I was not familiar with, at least the studio version, before I started listening to the album for this episode. I had heard an acoustic version of it done on the Howard Stern Show, which is excellent. It is on YouTube if you have not heard it. But when I heard the studio version of this, my mind was blown. This, to me, is the best song on the album. I love it. I love the hook of it is on another level. The production, it sounds like something Dr. Dre would produce, quite honestly. (laughs) There is a West Coast hip-hop vibe to this that is undeniable, and I cannot believe that Billie Eilish is the one that is killing it over this instrumental. I think this is her best work to date. I love this song. This definitely is not my favorite as much as it is yours, but I feel like this is something only she could do. I can't imagine another artist doing something so, like, this is just so her. It would feel ridiculous if even, let's say Ariana Grande, because that is someone I know, Mm -hmm. and I kind of know her stuff because it's unavoidable, but, like, (laughs) if Ariana Grande did this, it would just feel like a marketing plan of like, well, it mm-hmm. happened with Taylor Swift and Reputation. Like all of a sudden, Taylor Swift was going bad and she was wearing black and she's coming out to Joan Jett's Reputation. And it was just like, oh, this, I can see through this. Now I'm, I'm okay with artists evolving, even if that evolution is done as a marketing ploy, but it just didn't, it wouldn't feel natural if anybody else was doing this. Whereas Billie Eilish has, has crept into, again, this depressive state that we've talked about, but also... She's just flirting with Satan and, and demons and 
goblins at times. My favorite pastime. <laughs> flirting with Satan. And goblins. And Can't forget goblins. goblins. And it's it's a brilliant song. I am so happy this is on the record. This is a song that I will be taking and putting into a future playlist, quite honestly. I love this song so much. It's one that is going to stick with me uh, from here on out. And I, I feel that way about the next song. This is Wish You Were Gay by Billie Eilish. Baby, I don't feel so good. Six words you never understood. I'll never let you go. Five words you never say. I laugh alone like nothing's wrong Four days has never felt so long If three's a crowd and two was us One slipped away I just wanna make you feel okay But all you do is look the other way As we sit here recording this, Tara is losing her mind to this song. There is a full body dance going on. There is lip syncing. There is just a universal enjoyment of this song that I rarely see another human express uh, in any sort of being. So Tara... Wish You Were Gay, where do we stand on it? It's probably my second favorite song in this album. Second favorite, it's okay. It's so good. I just, everything, like her vocal range just sounds so amazing in this song. Like, uh, everything about it, lyrics, vocal range, everything. It so is a good. song that supposedly is about uh, how it felt for her to be rejected by a boy she liked. At the time, Billy thought he didn't like her because she was a shitty person. She wanted for uh, some other reason for him not liking her, such as him being gay. <laughs> This song reminds me a lot of Weezer's Pink Triangle, which was discussed on our debut episode, where the chorus goes, you know, I'm dumb, she's a lesbian, I thought I had found the one. We were good as Married in My Mind, but Married in My Mind is no good. This is an updated version that is a little more queer-friendly, just given the fact that Rivers Cuomo teeters on being an incel at times, <laughs> and he's, yeah. he's, oh, I wish she wasn't a lesbian! Whereas this one is Billie Eilish... Uh, certainly being a little more queer friendly. I have a relationship with this song now because a few days ago somebody was telling me we were talking about just women in life, women that I like, mm-hmm. um, and I was told that my ideal type of woman is just a woman that doesn't realize she's gay yet. That's so funny and probably true. I couldn't deny it. My love of blazers... <laughs> And Oxford's businesswoman chic. <laughs> Business casual is the greatest thing ever. Not for me. I don't. I just want to wear a t-shirt and a baseball hat. But I want who I'm with twenty four seven to be in a blazer. The blazer stays on. Okay. The blazer stays on <laughs> the at all times. Stays on. And so, in a way, as an ally, I feel like wish you were gay is kind of speaking to me. Do you think that? <laughs> is that something that you think when you hear this song I'm at all not, times? I'm not locked into that take just yet, but I'm feeling pretty comfortable about it. It's it's a great song, though. It is. We see a, a run here of All the Good Girls Go to Hell and then Wish You Were Gay. Those going back to back. It shows a lot of what Billie Eilish is capable of, and it shows just how catchy these songs can be. I mean, these are, are to me, th- this is... 
the direction that pop music should be moving towards mm-hmm. is. And I think especially a song like Wish You Were Gay, even five years ago, might have not been released as a single, but in the current climate, which is, and rightfully so, very queer-friendly, this song works out. I'm actually surprised this song is not more popular than it is. This is a song that I had not heard before I started listening to it for this project, but much like All the Good Girls Go to Hell, it is one that I will keep with me in the future. I really, really enjoy this song. Don't know I'm no good for you I've learned to lose you can't afford to entered the pop culture zeitgeist she was drawing a lot of comparisons to both lana del rey and lord as sort of a young female crooner that was able to hit high notes and tell these narrative stories and songs but i found myself being very uninterested in the more ballad type songs on this record it's not where i think she shines and i think when the party's over which is the song you just heard is an example of that where it's very pretty. It, there are parts of it that, if I'm feeling very generous, I could call beautiful. But it's not a song that holds my attention. I would disagree. I love her ballads. I feel like they're just so sad in like a hauntingly beautiful way that I just want to listen to them all the time. Like I'll cry to this in the shower later. Like that's what I'm gonna do. Oh, you know? good. No, I hope that works out for it you. It will. Thank you. That's um, that's great. I think it is a letdown coming <laughs> off of. Uh, all the good girls go to hell and wish you were gay. I've been I've been developing a hypothesis mm-hmm. in the labs yeah. of my headphones where I think great albums, they need a three-song run of pure greatness. Of There's just going to be a cluster there that is like, oh my god, this song's amazing. No, this song's even better. No, this song is even better. And this record comes very close to that on a few occasions, but it whenever it really starts to pick up, it loses me with one track here and there, and it's just such a disappointment to hear this when the party's over. Like I said, it's it's nice. It's a nice song, but given what she's capable of, what we just heard the two tracks prior, even a song like Zanny, which is much, uh, much similar to this with the tempo of it, I find that song to be far more interesting and engaging. This one just sits there for me it, it never grabs me but you you know look very angry right now you seem to disagree i am not angry wait a minute let me finish i know you don't care but can you listen i came committed guess i overdid it Pour my heart out on a chain around my neck, but now it's missing. Mm-hmm. 
8 is aptly titled 8 on When We All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go? The high-pitched voice sucks. Oh, absolutely. I hate it. Yeah, it's a shame because instrumentally-wise, this is one of the more interesting tracks on the record. It sounds like there's a ukulele in there. Mm -hmm. If not a a ukulele, then it's just a very high-pitched acoustic guitar. There's some slide guitar towards the end of it. It goes in line more with what I like from from an instrument perspective, but the high-pitched voice that is kind of fading in and out of this song is a total buzzkill. I do not enjoy this at all. Yeah, I feel like this would have been, like, a perfect song for me, except the high pitch. It's just so bad. Like, I've heard the versions of her being, like, live singing it, and it's just so much better. Like, I just don't understand why they didn't, like, why that was necessary. You uh, owned a ukulele in your past life? You know I did, Case. Did you do a cover of Vance Joy's Riptide? You know I tried. <laughs> is it on Tumblr anywhere? <laughs> it isn't anymore. <laughs> Oh, Tara, it's so nice to hear that. Because yeah. there's an entire generation of people that they've got their Crosley Cruiser, they've got their Polaroid camera they bought from Urban Outfitters, which is I, sitting on your on desk, my desk, which right I now. did not notice until now I just know. said that. And they've got their ukulele, and somewhere on the dark web, there's a cover of them doing Vance Choice Riptide, and that's what makes you human. You know I had a pixie cut that was colored, right? Oh, God. I- Please tell me what led up to the pixie cut. Um, I shaved half of my head. Because you're from near Gary? Because I'm from... Yeah. <laughs> I needed to feel tough, you know? It was purple, just so you know. How old were you? <sighs> Ninth grade. Okay, see, Tara, this is the information I want. What were you listening to when you had a half-shaved head, pixie cut, purple hair, ninth grade weirdo? You know it was Vance Joy. <laughs> it was all <laughs> and Vance that's Joy. That's it. Vance Joy made you feel loved in a way that no one had done in your life up to that point. That Am I man correct? and that ukulele. That what man can I and say? that ukulele and that kind of Jufro that he had. Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> Much like this next song, this is my strange addiction. No, Billy, I haven't done that dance since my wife died. There's a whole crowd of people out there who need to learn how to do the scar. Don't ask questions, you don't wanna know. Learn my lesson, way too cool. To be talking to you, Belladonna. Should have taken a break, not an Oxford comma. Take what I want when I wanna. And I want you. Bad, bad news, one of us is gonna lose. I'm the powder. Tara, if there's two things our generation loves, it is Billie Eilish and it is The Office. Do you love both? I have an Office sweatshirt in my closet behind me as we speak. Not to call you out, Tara, but I know, at least in recent months, you have been on online dating apps. Do you have an office reference in your profile? <laughs> Why do you know that? And um, <laughs> also, you matched with my roommate, and you told me. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. I sure did. Um, shout out. Um, I, it's not in my bio, no. Currently or ever? Ever would never stoop that low. Sorry. But you obviously know the scarn, which is the <laughs> the dance that Billie Eilish is referencing in the song. Do you not? I sure do. From Threat Level Midnight. Yep. What's the office sweatshirt you have? Does it just say the office on it? It says Dunder Mifflin Paper Company. That's a, I'm sure that's a conversation starter. It is. Well, My Strange Addiction, I was unfamiliar with this song again. Came into it hoping it was going to be about TLC's My Strange Addiction, the TV show. So where, good. Where people eat couches and whatnot. Are you a big My Strange Addiction fan? I am. What's the best episode? The guy who's, like, obsessed with his car. 
You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Just another straight white guy. <laughs> oh, wait. Every single one of them. <laughs> um, but instead, it is almost a love letter to The Office. I love the samples that are used in here of, of Office dialogue that is infused into the song but it weirdly doesn't feel forced like i would like to hear the song without them just because i think it is a really good song i think the chorus is beautiful i think her voice is insanely great in that but the office stuff works it's fun it gives billy eilish character there's a part of this of like trying to figure out why 16 to 24 year olds love her so much part of it is that she has a song that has the office in it yeah, it's great. I don't know what it is about this song, but I speed in my car when this comes on. Like, I do like 50 over. It's really upsetting. I don't know why I do that. But I feel like I need to pull you over. You probably should at some point, you know. Uh, well, Tara, <laughs> are you ready for the greatest intro of all time? The greatest segue you've ever heard? Uh, if yeah. you keep on going 50 over, eventually you will have to bury a friend. <laughs> Much like this next song. Mm. What do you want from me? Why don't you run from me? What are you wondering? What do you know? Why aren't you scared of me? Why do you care for me? When we all fall asleep, where do we go? Come here. Say it, spit it out. What is it exactly? Your pain is the amount cleaning you out. Am I satisfactory? Today I'm thinking about things that are deadly the way i'm drinking you down like i want to drown like i want to end me step on the glass staple your tongue uh, bury a friend try to wake up as i said before this is the first one that i heard and i really just don't like it i don't know if it was because at the time i was like i'm too cool for billy like i don't like it and that's just stuck with me but i don't know something about it i just feel like it's too like produced i guess i want to Go back to that idea of possibly being too cool for Billie Eilish. Do you see this happening in the near future where people are going to, maybe they already have it, I'm just not connected to it, of this idea of we liked her for Ocean Eyes, we liked her for this, but now, I mean, she's doing the James Bond theme, she's got this and this and this going on. She's not the Billie Eilish we love. Do you think that turn is going to happen sooner rather than later? I feel like it won't happen at all. I feel like she's just going to keep going up and then she'll just stay there. She does have that advantage of she is looked at as the alternative to the pop star already, which is going to help her because the people that I think would turn on her are on her side already. And she also, she seems to be a very good person, but she doesn't promote or have any of those DIY ethics. There's no, oh, we liked Billie Eilish before she did this. Now, I think eventually and this is something we can talk about at the end of the record a little bit more but i think her sound is going to change dramatically as she gets older i don't look at this as uh the peak of what she can do i look at this as a foundation for how she will grow as an artist this whole entire record and i think when she changes that sound there will be a backlash which is normal i mean that's what happens um i see a Western album in Billie Eilish's future. <laughs> I really think that is because that seems to be the new round for pop stars is there's just a general safety net of doing a country inspired album and I see that happening for Billie Eilish in the next 7 to 10 years but as for, as for now we have Bury a Friend and we have this production style 
and this is the apex of that Billie Eilish sound. This is, going into the record, one of the few songs I knew. It was my favorite song by her. I think the chorus is so undeniably catchy. I mean, it is just, dun, 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 where do we go? I, it's stuck in my head all the time. I think it is just <laughs> a marvelous work of production for a style that I don't necessarily enjoy. Again, it's so produced, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. There's so much going on. There's so many sounds. And more often than not, when I sit down to listen to music, I really I want guitar here, I want drums here, I want bass here, I want some vocals here. And that's really all I want. Even a keyboard at times, I'm like, it's too distracting. I don't want this. It it softens whatever intensity I'm looking for in my music. But Billie Eilish here just nails it. And the production that Phineas puts on this entire record, but on this song specifically, this is the best song on the record. It is not my favorite. It is my. I mean, it's my number two. I think All the Good Girls Go to Hell is still much better than this. But I listened to this and I was like, this is, this is what she's striving for. And she hit a home run with this. And I think the song is is rather brilliant in a way. It is sung from the perspective of the monsters under Billie Eilish's bed. Did you know that? I did not know that. I'm just giving you all sorts of fun facts, Tara. I know. Because, again, it goes back to this idea of, okay, Billie Eilish is... I don't want to say monsters under our bed is something that we're currently experiencing. (laughs) Speak for yourself. (laughs) It's not something I've really ever been concerned about. But there is a certain acceptance of gothness and of creepiness that is is welcomed by people our age and Billie Eilish has tapped into that mm-hmm. and to an extent now I was just talking with someone about you know what is emo in 2020 <laughs> because we did an episode with My Chemical Romance and this person who is a little bit older was saying um you know this is not what emo music is to me and, and she was listing off you know Sunny Day Real Estate and Saves the Day and all of these emo bands um that's what she considered and she was like well My Chemical Romance is just it's not emo. I mean, it's just like whatever's next. And I was trying to explain to her, like you have like for 18 to 24 year olds, like emo is my chemical yeah. romance. And now we're in a culture where everything is emo, where Kanye's emo, where Obama's emo, <laughs> where Billie Eilish's emo. And she's tapped into that of this loose understanding of emo acceptance to some extent. There's still pushback on it critically, but I think in the Twitter sphere, which matters to some extent, there is a, a an acceptance of that. And Billie Eilish has really tapped into that. And then... Things change sonically very much so uh, for the rest of the record. This is Elo Milo off of When We All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go? Told you not to worry, but maybe that's a lie. Honey, what's the hurry? Won't you stay inside? on When We All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go? I look at it as the perfect album track. This is not a great song. It's a very good song. Should not be a single. It is not a single. But to move the record along to transition out of Bury a Friend, I'm all for it. Yeah, I feel like this is just really safe for her. Um, I usually, when anyone asks how I feel about this, I'm like, no opinion, because it's just so safe to me. But yeah. The safety of it is interesting because it does feel like a record. And that's really something that I hadn't thought about because I look at her overall image is I, you can say it's risky. I think she portrays 
riskiness, but it's very calculated to me. And that will always be my barrier with Billie Eilish until she goes in an almost Eddie Vedder direction and says, I'm not showing up to award shows. I'm not doing your photo shoots. I'm not doing your meet and greets. I think until she does that, I'm always going to have a little bit of a barrier of acceptance with her. But you're right. This is an album full of really risky material. And this song almost feels out of place. Yeah. Very interesting, Tara. I had not thought about it until now. I think I like this song less now that you tell me that. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> to ruin my enjoyment. <laughs> to ruin your music taste. Good, good. Well, this is track 12. This is Listen Before I Go. Take me to the rooftop. I want to see the world when I stop breathing. Turning blue. endless don't be so pretentious leave me like you do listen before i go is a song sung from the perspective of trying to save someone from ending their life it is an admirable cause it is a noble song i find it to be a very boring song I think this is one of the prettiest songs on this album. Like I said, I love her ballads. So just anything that sounds like this, I feel like I could just fall asleep to. Like, it's so beautiful. I don't want to fall asleep to the music I'm listening to. I do. <laughs> that's, that is, that is fascinating. The, if I say I can fall asleep to your music, that is such an insult to me. Because what's, I, I want to listen to it. I would like to be present for whatever I'm listening to. But like it makes you feel so relaxed and safe and just calm Not looking that you for fall that. asleep. That's what I want in my music case. Really? Yeah. Why? It makes me feel happy. Don't you want music? <laughs> I want happiness. That in my makes life. you well. I good luck with that. Thanks. Do, don't you want music that makes you feel something in a way? It makes you want to get up and go do something. I mean, at times, yeah, but I'm depressed. Case. <laughs> okay, so I feel like you just <laughs> you just favored my argument there. Don't you want music that's gonna make you get up and go do something? No, <laughs> I want to wallow. Interesting choice. Interesting. I'm learning a lot about you. Yeah. This is a miss. Uh, I think. More so than the lyrics. Again, it's a it's a pretty song. Billie Eilish and her voice they they shine in this song, but instrumentally, I find it to be so boring. I think it's a rare miss from Phineas. If anything, sonically, I am just not interested in what he's doing. There's no progression of it. Again, it's it's much like uh, the prior ballad I was that I was complaining about when the party's over. There's just nothing that moves it along. It's very static, in my opinion, and. I feel that way as we get into the next song, I Love You, that it's just it's just sitting there. And it's a disappointing uh, kind of last three songs on the record. And this is the cluster that is Listen Before I Go, I Love You, which we'll hear now, and then Goodbye. Let's hear a little bit of I Love You before we get into that. It's not true Tell me I've been lied to Crying isn't like you So Tara is looking at me, shaking with anger. I've never seen her this animated before 
because apparently before I intro the song, I criticized it. I said it was kind of boring, and Tara seems to disagree with me. This is my absolute favorite song on this album. I everything about it, the lyrics, the production, the, everything is just so spot on for me. And your opinion is wrong, and that's all I have to say about well, that. Well, that's a healthy form of discourse. I'm glad we've <laughs> advanced to that stage. Another whatever. I I think this song is fine. I think Phineas on backing vocals is a very nice addition to the mix. I would like to hear more of that in the future as Billie Eilish progresses with her career. But I find it I find it to be pretty but not engaging. There's nothing about this song that reaches out and grabs me. It is and I think part of that is just it falls victim to coming after to listen before I go, which is similar in structure. I don't want to say necessarily similar in in message, but it's kind of got a similar tone to it. If this was another place on the album, maybe if this was following, say, All the Good Girls Go to Hell and Wish You Were Gay, I would maybe have more patience for it. But it's just we're just sliding down this like this slide of boredom right now. It's just like, oh, my God, like we're going back to back, almost five minute songs, slow. There's no musical progression in them. I, I don't know what to do with that. And then before you know it, we're at the end of the record. We're at track 14. This is Goodbye. is a good idea that is poorly executed. It is a song or it is a song that references every other song on the album by taking a line from the lyrics of the first 13 songs and putting them into some structure. But I don't think it's a fitting end of the album. I I think and this appears to be a, a reoccurring complaint by me and it's something that I didn't really realize until I started this podcast, but what I'm looking for from the last song on an album is either something heartbreaking and just just this emotional attack that you can't follow up on or I'm looking for something explosive that caps off the record in a satisfying way and what I'm finding is that a lot of artists are going soft on this last song and they're you know they're throwing a bow on it but it's not a Christmas morning bow it's just flip flimsy and flailing all around and I just I don't like this and it's a shame that the record ended like this yeah, I don't like it. I feel like it should have ended with I love you, and I feel like this was super unnecessary, and I will skip it as soon as I hear it. Come on. Good. Yeah. Good. It's Those bad. Are, yeah, good. It's um <laughs> it's I like the idea of it, but again, I find it to be very poorly executed. Just it's just boring. It is uh, an unfortunate, at least in my opinion, a three-song run that is just not speaking to me in the slightest. And it's a shame because for the most part, I really enjoy the first half of this record. And then all of a sudden, you know, 14 songs, 42 minutes later, we are at the end of When We All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go? This record was given a 7.2 out of 10 by Pitchfork, a 3.5 out of 5 by the Rolling Stone, and a 5 out of 5 by the NME. Like I said, Billy Ash is currently the third most streamed artist in the world, with over 59 million monthly listeners. With all of that said, Tara, out of 10, how do we rate this album? Um, I feel like 
An 8.5. I feel like it's really good in a lot of places, but there are things that need work. And I feel like with her next album, she'll probably do that. Do you have any speculation? What would you like to hear as a Billie Eilish fan? Would you like to hear more of this sound? Or would you like to hear her go in another direction for her second full-length album? I want a whole album of ballads, and that's what I want. I'm... It's funny you say that because I was thinking about this earlier in the day of kind of what I would like to see from Billie Eilish's career going forward. And my fear is that that is what is coming next, is that we're just going to go into these slow, uh, just friendly songs, just no risk. Because you could say emotional vulnerability is a risk, but when you're Billie Eilish, is it that much? That's your brand. I just, I'm, I have never thought this about an artist, but I want more production and I want more up-tempo sort of dance hall inspired songs because I really think that is where she shines her brightest. Now you give this an 8.5 out of 10. I think that is very much in line with what most current art school kids would give this because like I said, it's taken over just, it's taken over this generation. It is an undeniable can't miss record. It's why I felt comfortable talking about it. Even though she is the third most streamed artist (laughs) in the world, I would be doing a disservice if I was not talking about this record at some point, I've got to give it a 6.5 out of 10. I think the singles on this album, uh, Bury a Friend, Wish You Were Gay, Bad Guy, and All the Good Girls Go to Hell, those four songs are terrific. The other two singles, You Should See Me in a Crown, When the Party's Over, they do nothing for me. We've talked about that. And it's unfortunate that songs like My Strange Addiction are left as album tracks. Eight has the voice filter that drives both of us nuts. And then the last three songs completely lose me. And when the last three songs completely lose me on a record, I just can't justify a higher rating, even if there are songs on this record that I really, really enjoy. It is something that I will take the singles from, and I will continue to listen to them. I really like them. And I liked Everything I Ever Wanted, which was the first thing she released after this album. I really liked that song. But this record, it's not... I hope it's not her apex, because I think there are things that could be worked out... I think there are more bold directions she can go that would benefit her. But I struggle with this album as a whole. I think there are songs that could be cut. I think there are songs that could be resequenced. And because of that, it's a 6.5 out of 10. Now, Tara, who needs to hear this album right now? Um, as you said, I feel like anyone in art school, anyone that wants to feel powerful but also at night is like, very sad and I feel like that's what this album was for if you had to describe Billie Eilish to someone 40 years of age or older how would you do that oh my god the girl down the street that I go to school with who makes music okay (laughs) (laughs) so you went went real literal with that yeah real literal bold, bold move Tara it is the end of the episode yay we've talked about when we all fall asleep where do we go we've talked about your pixie cut We've talked about growing up near Gary, Indiana. We've talked about System of a Down. We've talked about so much stuff. What do you have to plug? Um, I'm going to plug my art Instagram, Tara.illustrations, my real Instagram, use paint palette. I have nothing else to plug. I'm very boring. Tara, that's okay. Because you are a (laughs) delight on this episode. Thank you. Thank you for coming here, for demanding that we talk about when we all fall asleep, (laughs) where do we go? Because it was a pleasure talking to you for an hour about the most popular artist in the world right now, but someone who still somehow, some way has artistic credibility and is engaging enough and interesting enough for me to want to sit down and talk about them. 
As always, you can follow the podcast at Art School Albums on Instagram. You can find me on the same platform as well as Twitter at underscore Caselow, C-A-S-E-L-O-W-E. And until next time, I thank you for listening to the Art School Albums podcast. When we all fall asleep, where do we go?